We're recording. Hey. Did I just echo? No, I don't think so. I just made a sound after you did. Okay. I need my pillow. Yeah, pillow. Mm, It's late. Uh, Yeah. You're not around anymore. It's hard to catch you. Especially on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So on the East Coast, it's hard to catch me too. I was sneaky last night and found Firefly on Netflix and watched it. Very nice. There you go. Missing it. Well, you should have like chatted me or emailed me and said I want the next episode. I just figured you were busy, and I was watching Doctor Who. Yeah, but it takes me two seconds. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Takes me longer to get them. So yeah, it takes two seconds to upload it. So I uh, said, "Hum, I wonder if I can get this." You can, and I did. Except for I hit the wrong one, and I was like, I've seen this before. How come I've seen it? Wait a minute. I'm confused. But I figured it out. Oh, man. Well, I'm tired. I know. I stayed up late with Kelly the other night. And it wasn't, you know, any later than I've been staying up, because I've been going to bed between 9.30 and 10 and then watching 45 minutes of Doctor Who. That sounds so late. I know. 11 o'clock. Oh, my gosh. And I went to bed at 11 o'clock because I was talking to Kelly, and I didn't watch Doctor Who. I just went to bed, and I was so tired yesterday afternoon. It wasn't even funny. But I think part of it was I didn't do anything yesterday. Yeah. I took the dog to the park, and we went out to lunch with old neighbors. Yeah. People that were my next-door neighbor when I was... 13 years old or something like that. I mean, I feel bad because, like, with, with the GRE and prepping for grad school and my very demanding job and, you know, having, you know me, I like a little bit of downtime where I'm not social with anyone and, right. you know, church stuff and, like, everything that's going on, <laughs> everything that goes on in life, like, you know, I'm not on a lot, you know, mm-hmm. or if I'm on, I'm in the middle of, you know, studying or or doing whatever and keep coming you know messaging me and and saying you know we miss you hello there we go yeah it was you wasn't connecting because i was trying to call you oh you can't well i guess you can call me because i'm not we're not with anybody else but normally no, you I can't can call re-add me. My, i can re-add myself to the call it won't let you my computer's too old oh, fine yeah but yeah it's people keep you know, coming up to me and saying, like, well, we miss you. And I'm like, um, well, the only thing I can stop is, is sleep. Um, and I like that. Yeah. So, touch it. <laughs> You'll just have to miss me. And, I, you know, I, I feel bad, but at least, you know, the least I can, I always get to do is be like, yeah, about 4,000 people are saying that to me right now. It's all... Yeah. It, it's nice to know that you're missed and loved, but at the same time, you have things that you have to do. I wear my time turner today because... Hello, where are you? Why are you bugs after me today? I was out pulling weeds earlier, and there was this horse fly that just oh, God. loved my hair. And I'm like batting at it and swinging. And Mom said, well, it landed on your head and it wasn't bothering you. And I was like, well, that's fine. As long as it doesn't bite me and it's not buzzing around my hair, I don't care. And she said, yeah, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to freak out. I'm like, thanks. So I wonder if that's him. And he just has been in my hair for the last hour and a half. Because he just... That's disturbing. I know. You should have seen the great big spider that was crawling up my <gasps> He was, a, he was a big one. I was like, uh, no, I don't want you on me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm not a big fan of spiders. We are pulling. <sighs> you should <sighs> see what we're pulling out. I mean, just. Uh, okay, we need to stop with stuff. the bugs. 
Mom has so many bites. It's so sad. She's just like crazy itching. Well, you know what we found out? Mosquitoes, according to the news now, and, and I don't know how much of this stuff you believe, but according to the news, if you drink a beer before you go outside, the mosquitoes love you. Mm. And so... Actually, I believe that because, yeah, because it's alcohol, mm-hmm. which is probably going to increase the amount of stuff that is um, coming out, like, you know, sweating out, out of your glands. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So, and, you know, she likes to come in about five o'clock and watch the news and drink a beer and have some popcorn and mm-hmm. then go back out and weed. Because we've switched our, our days around. Right. We get up and we have a leisurely breakfast and then we go out and work. And then about two, we have dinner with, you know, our big full meal. And then we go right. back out and work when it cools off a little bit, about five o'clock, six o'clock. And we work until nine. And then we come in and snack. So, so what, what, what time is a leisurely breakfast? Um, I get up at seven twenty. I know <laughs> your four o'clock sounds really bad. I could stay Actually, no, it's so, much, so much longer, but the chickens call. And then, it's three th- forty-five now. Ugh, see, that's awful. And we usually eat breakfast through like ten, nine thirty, ten o'clock. Yeah, because she's doing the crossword puzzle and I'm editing. And- no one says it's going to be horrible. My flight's at seven. Oof. Where are you going? Uh, Orlando. Orlando. Okay. Oof. For my first vacation since I uh, started work. Trisha's in Orlando. Well, she's in Florida. I don't know where she is. That's where she is tonight. Is she going to be there on Wednesday night or Thursday? If she's going to be there Thursday, we should totally hang up. <laughs> Still no squat. Uh, we're going to have to start soon. Yeah, I think we should just go ahead and start. In like five minutes? Yeah, we can give him five minutes if you want to. I was going to, uh, yeah, I gave him 15 at the half hour mark, so. Yeah, that's fine. So I just <laughs> edited um, episode 33 of Povu. Yeah. Where you apparently throw poor Ryan for a loop because you told him that you and Daniel dated. Yes, I, yeah. <laughs> I posted in the chat about, yeah. It's like, I didn't know she dated before. Wait a minute. <laughs> that was an awesome moment. <laughs> and then, so, and then last it's night. It's not like we were discreet about it. Yeah, well, yeah, but Ryan was oblivious. We were openly flirting on the forums. <laughs> and then uh, the day Bob says hi to me. And, and he says some. He said something about a relationship. I don't know what it was. And I said, <laughs> "By the way, Bob, now that we're in a relationship, I need to tell you I can't have kids." And I get this dot 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 dot. So I'm like, "Can you tell I've been editing episode 33?" He's like, "Oh." <laughs> Scott, you have three minutes. Do do do. Yes. Do do do. The good thing about this is that they're really, really short chapters. What was it? An hour and something on my phone? Oh, no, they're super short. That's so, why I worked it. Because so it it's good and it's super short. It, yeah, it won't take too long. Because i got to get back out and help mom. She's been... I We picked up the stove and then... Oh, we have a new stove. That's exciting. Oh, yay. That is exciting. Yeah, we've been, what, a year now cooking with just one burner since I blew up the other burner? <sighs> so... We went and picked it up in my truck and brought it home 
and the neighbor guy up the street happened to see us picking it up. And so he followed us home. He actually went home and got his handyman and came home and unloaded it off my truck for me. So you have good neighbors. We do have good neighbors. You know what this neighbor's guy, this neighbor's name is Scott, Michael Jackson. That's a little weird, but cool. (laughs) Yep. So he, he unloaded it for me. That was really nice. And, um, then my friend showed up, so I didn't get out to start working until I only got to work like an hour out in the yard today. And we took yesterday off completely. So I feel like I got to get back out and do some work. I did pick stuff while my friend was here, so that should count for something. She brought me cherries. Your life, man. Yeah, my life is odd. Uh, how about awesome? Oh, okay. Picking, ch- picking things? I don't know. The stuff I pick all bites back. Have you ever picked zucchini? It's mean. Oh, zucchini, I have a bad reaction to it. You have a bad reaction to it. So even just like, but the the, the weird thing is like, I don't have a bad reaction to eating it. It's just holding it. It's because it's got these little hairs on it and they're pokey and they get into your skin and then they cause all kinds of trouble. Really? Is that it? Mm -hmm. I wondered why. Like I have the worst reaction to zucchini and no one else does that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is fine and like... And they're like, did you clean it off correctly? I'm like, um, yeah. Well, and after you wash it, you shouldn't have those little hairs on there anymore. But, oh, man, I go to pick it, and I've got little hairs all over me. No, I, th- I think I just, I, I think, I'm pretty sure I just have a really bad reaction yeah, to, uh. a bad reaction to the whatever. But it could be residue the skin. from the, yeah. It could be, but I, I I'm sure, because I, there was one day where. I just, like, scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed the zucchini, like, with my hand holding, like, it with a paper towel. Mm-hmm. And, like, my skin, after, like, still, like, went nuts. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Not good. I have the weirdest reaction. And, like, I'm, I don't have any food allergies. Mm-hmm. But, like, and my it, it it's not like I get a rash or anything. I just, my skin gets super tight. That is so weird. Yeah. Weird, weird. All right. All right. Should we start? Start. Uh, I think we should start this, and we will add Scott as soon as he finds his way in his house. I locked myself out of the house today too, but I had a key hidden, so I was able to get back in pretty easy. Yeah, I have a key hidden too, but I didn't get locked out. I just have a random key hidden, yeah. just in case. It's always good to have a random key hidden. Yeah. All right. Well, for Friday, July twenty-fifth, this is episode one Previously on Pottific Weekly. Where would you like to start, Sue? <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning. That would be awesome. My resolutions for this Pottific Weekly season is not to snort. Welcome to Pottific Whatever. <laughs> oh, Scott. Did we, did we lose Scott? Okay, what did I miss? My Am I surrounded did. by Hufflepuffs? You yes, are. you are. Yes, you are. Apparently, I'm Jen, and I don't know my alphabet. <laughs> No, she's the poster child for our podcast. <laughs> I think I need more meds. My meds have kicked in, I can tell. Sure. <laughs> I think that's two, and that could possibly be three. Moving right along. I felt like a rock star. Just really big knickers. Pants are your underpants. Not ah. trousers. Otterpick Weekly, defining strange terms for your edification. 
that I was planning on getting ravaged anytime soon. Really, honestly. <laughs> Saxon Snorkaxe, two of my favorite subjects. I love Snape. You are quite possibly clinically insane. In the nicest sense of the word, of course. <laughs> we'll always laugh before the end. Perfect weekly where the story never ends. This is Potterfic Weekly, the flagship of a family of podcasts from Potterfic Weekly. So there. <laughs> I'm Sue. I'm Kat. And Scott is coming. If he can find his way back into his house. And do you want to introduce it since it's your pick? Tonight we are covering In Care Of by Fangs Fawn. Um, it is basically my reaction to everyone not liking any, you know, Snape figures out about Harry's childhood fic. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's complaint is that he's too fatherly to Harry. And this is a fic where Snape is at no point fatherly to Harry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I figured it would be good to introduce people to something that where, you know, Snape learns about what Harry's past is and he no longer, you know, loathes him. But at the same time, there's no like big crazy like him either. He doesn't like him either. Yeah. (laughs) He basically, you know, understands why Harry is the way he is by the end of the fic. Not to spoil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's um, and it's not slash. I don't know why the author ever put that in there, but yeah, I it's not slash. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, some people think that if it's a Harry Snape fic, it's either Snape is your father or it's slash. So that is I, true. I mean, that could very well be why she did it. That is true. So the first chapter, that's not really a chapter, is just an author's note. Yeah. And she talks about this being a trilogy. Um, I don't know that it was ever finished. Do you know that? It wasn't finished. It was... Yeah, um, I think so. Tightrope is about five chapters long, and um, then it just kind of fell over. Peter's out. But, you know, yeah, it peters out a little bit. Um, but in care of it just... I think where she left it, like, kind of closed out the arc. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really need to be continued right because we don't this isn't one of those like we need to see what happens during the rest of the year or you know whether you know regardless of what happens in this fic harry's going to go off and and defeat voldemort by the end of Mm -hmm. the story but you know the story is that the author is really telling is you know what if snape found out Mm-hmm. And how he what finds ha- out. And how he finds out. And she gives author's notes also about what kind of bat Snape is. Mm-hmm. And because Snape's animagus form is a bat. Which is, you know, haha, so funny. Mm-hmm. And comparing it to Hedwig because Snape is going to be spending a lot of time in Hedwig's cage for the first part of the fic. So yes. that that's basically the author's note. And it does say that they're not indigenous to the UK, but Mm -hmm. she's using it anyhow. That makes it, you know, having it be a fruit bat makes it a little easier for Harry, as we'll find out in one of the early chapters. So I'm not going to spoil that. All right. So. So, yes, chapter one, which is basically, I 
I thought it was very interesting the way that sh- the author, without scene breaks, switched back and forth between Snape's and Harry's mm-hmm. perspective based on a look or or just you needed a different angle on something. And it starts out with Harry finding a, a what seems to be a, a dead bat, bat in the vegetable garden. Yeah, but I like how he how this is because at first he thinks it's a dark brown rat mm-hmm. under a black leather glove because all he sees at first are the wings and he thinks that's the glove and then he thinks right. it's, it's just a rat and he's never seen a bat in, in person and he's never seen one up close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he saw some at the zoo once, but that didn't really count. Right. Although I will say the fruit bats at our zoo are really cool. Yeah. And, you know, he's stumbled across this bat while weeding the vegetable garden. Harry and I have a lot in common in this fic. <laughs> he's always weeding the garden. He's always weeding the garden. So, uh, you know, he's just come home from Hogwarts six days ago. And Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia have him hard at work. Because Petunia wants to win the neighborhood prize for her vegetable garden. Right. And it's okay Harry doesn't him. mind, yeah. Because it makes it makes it so he won't dream about Sirius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he won't think about it. This fic tears at your heartstrings. It really that does. That tugs, it tears at them. But yeah, so of Umbridge, the scumbag, uh, has re-injured her wing and very conveniently is currently at Hogwarts. <laughs> oh, Hedwig, you said Umbridge. No. Yeah. Umbridge because of uh, uh, sorry Hedwig because, because of, of Umbridge. Umbridge Hedwig okay you cut out for a minute and I totally <laughs> lost I'm like Umbridge injured her wing wait a minute I didn't see the coming animagus I'm so confused no, oh spoilers no yeah, I'm just yeah. Hedwig is injured and so she stayed with Hagrid and. Um, which is good because we need the, uh, the cage. Right. And, and it's also, you know, I like how there's a little bit of danger in this that his friends automatically pick up on and kind of adjust their, their thought process to of like, Oh, that's fine. I'll just, you know, con- you know, be sending pig, you know, over every other day. It'll burn off his, and give it a good excuse for it. But you know, this is the kind of Ron and Hermione that I really like seeing in fix where Harry has, you know, a bad summer, let's mm-hmm. call it because it's kind of one of those things of they're not going to talk about it and they're not going to acknowledge it because that just makes she's got really nowhere cool. else to go. And you're not going to go to the adults because when have you? Mm-hmm. I mean, they tried to tell Ron's parents in second year and they completely ignored them. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not about to go to uh, the adults on this and you're just going to make sure that Harry, you know, is okay. Right. And that's the best that we can do. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to send so lots of letters. He's thinking back on, you know, how he's gotten to this position where he has an empty cage. He fa- finds out that it's not dead. No, it's not dead. What happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. And about that time, Vernon shows up and, you know, cuffs him upside the head. Or clouts him, actually, which is uh-huh. even worse than a cuff as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, why are you lollygagging around? Didn't you hear your aunt tell you to get this garden weeded? 
And he's like, I'm sorry, Uncle Vernon, I got distracted by this dead animal. And Vernon kind of looks and then he's disgusted. Well, get rid of it. and Don't put it in the bin because I don't want it to stink up the place. And mm-hmm. off he goes. And Harry goes to pick it up to get rid of it. And it's still alive. He can yeah. feel its heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And now what do I do? Right. You know, he could kill it. He could, you know, euthanize it, but. He doesn't want to kill anything. Yeah. he's Because of the prophecy. Yeah. There's too much going on in Sirius and stuff like that. He doesn't want to kill something. So, yeah, the, I mean, everything that he has ever associated with death has been severe loss for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he he wouldn't want to, you know, kill anything, even just a harmless bat. Even if it's for its own good. Yeah. Right. And he can't just leave it where it is because for sure one of the cats will get it. Mm-hmm. So he's going to... Keep it in Hedwig's cage and try to, you know, cure it himself. Right. And he's got a whole bunch of, I love this, he's got a whole bunch of potion remedies that he's made or nicked from Snape's stores (laughs) to help him get through the summer of Vernon's discipline. So in this story, we know that Vernon is very harsh with him. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I like that it's very realistic. I, I love the super Harry that can suddenly whip up any potion anytime, any place mm-hmm. that you see in fix sometimes. This one's very realistic of, well, there are basic potions that Harry can whip up himself that he has like backups for because he can't be whipping up potions on private drive. Um, and everything that is beyond his scope of skill, he's next from Snape. Mm-hmm. Don't lie to me yeah so he's you know he's got some potion skills and i like a little bit higher in this or a little bit earlier in this chapter he says that he likes being outside and working with plants and stuff he may not be a neville he may not have a lot of of you know plant knowledge but he enjoys working with them and growing things which makes sense is you know if you if you grew up in the cupboard under the stairs and you know Outside is freedom. Outside is fresh air and opportunity not breathing down your neck every second. Mm-hmm. So and I kind of like this the end of this chapter, the, the phrasing of it. Um, for the first time since arriving, quote, home, home. Harry felt cheerful. Mm-hmm. He didn't know if he could help the bat or not, but it w- would be nice to worry about something so small and mundane for a change. And one other thing, the bat would be no replacement for Hedwig, might be terrified of him, but certainly wouldn't despise him just for being Harry. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it because it's Snape, as we right. learned in chapter two. <laughs> yeah. So we go into chapter two and we, we start off kind of learning a little bit about how to become an animagus. And you can do it two ways. You can either... Do it through transfiguration or through a potion. And James Potter and his crew did it through transfiguration because they were good at transfiguration. Mm-hmm. But Severus Snape is the potion master. So right. he's going to do this through potions. And it's even more dangerous, probably, than doing it through transfiguration and highly illegal. Mm-hmm. But he's going to do it and he's doing it under Albus's supervision. So if something goes wrong, he can at least, you know, have a backup there. And he's using it to spy for the order. <laughs> I love the picture of Snape as a, as a Tibetan yak. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I can see this because I know how you feel about this, having just edited some Vox, and we talked a lot about the Animagus transformation in there. And you always said, you know, I want them to transform into something totally useless. Right. And the Tibetan yak would be. That would be fantastic. The other thing, I mean, the thing with the box is like, you know, oh, the lion and the lioness or or the jaguar and, you know, what? it's like, really? Mm -hmm. Like, they can't transform into something. I mean, a bat is common. Right. And like that's that's fine. Like everybody, there are bats everywhere, but not necessarily fruit bats. So it's kind of in that vein, but not really. Mm, but at the same time, it's it. I mean, it's not like everyone would be like, "Oh, that that's a fruit bat." That is right. I mean, even Harry had to look it up in this set of chapters. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I I identified you. You're a fruit bat. Right. <laughs> I looked it up, and that's what you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it, it's it's more of like you know the it, it's the whole golden griffin thing all over again. Mm-hmm. It's because they're special. They're you know big cats, you know, which would never be found anywhere on the streets of London or anywhere. Like you know, Harry Potter the raccoon couldn't have worked. That would, that would have been, awesome. been a good one though, because he could have got away with being in lots of places. Right. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Harry Potter the raccoon. There he is. Hermione the, Hermione the squirrel. Yeah. I saw two ground squirrels playing in our in the back of our new garage today. Walking mm-hmm. around the corner and I was like, whoa, squirrels everywhere. <laughs> have to send Bernie out that way. But yeah, yeah. It, I like this idea. And, you know, and at the same time, it's so ironic. And you know that's why the author did it this way. Oh, of course. <laughs> but that Snape, and he acknowledges it, which is perfect. He's just like, oh, of all the things that I could be, I have to be a fruit bat? <laughs> Kids already call me a bat. That's terrible. <laughs> and that makes it great because she acknowledges that. Yeah, and she gives a little nod to the fandom, I guess, in a way, that everyone's just like, oh, he's just an overgrown bat. Right. And, and even canon, because, you know, it's a bat-sized hole that he jumps out of when he leaves in the seventh book. Right. So, yeah, it, it's perfect. You know, she says they already call him an overgrown bat. And, and he, yeah. you know, the way he walks and, and all of that stuff and his big nose and stuff, he is kind of like that. He really is. So the only person that knows that he's an animagus is Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And it gives him an edge over the Death Eaters and it protects him. And he can do guard duty, which is what he's doing right now, and watch over Harry with no one really knowing. And he's, you know, because he has this prejudice against Harry already, and because he's staying fairly well back so that he's not seen, he thinks he knows what's going on at the Dursleys, but he really doesn't have a clue. And he's got this, you know, oh, Harry's the prince and he must be sitting and watching TV and eating bonbons all day mentality when actually Harry is out in the backyard working like... But I kind, I kind of love this because so this is, you know, if you take this chapter and, and twist canon through Snape's eyes through how well this ca- chapter is written... Mm-hmm. Harry's actions really could be interpreted as that of a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. 
the author does a really good job getting Snape down, yeah. like of of how he sees Harry and how all of Harry's actions can be totally, you know, construed as bad mm-hmm. if you don't know context, if you don't take the time to really look. Right, and that's Which, what's really cool about the story because he wouldn't necessarily want to take the time to look, but that is taken out of his hands. Right. He has to because he's stuck in a cage all day. Yep. Um, and even then it takes him, you know, an entire pick to actually see what's going on. Right. Um, and, but it's just, the author does a very good job, you know, Snape commenting on everything from how Petunia looks mm-hmm. to, you know, how, you know, why Harry's dressed the way he's dressed. Right. Right. Because he sees Harry and Harry's, you know, in these hand-me-down clothes and stuff like that. But he also sees Petunia and he sees Dudley and they're dressed really nicely. So it it can't be that Harry's getting hand-me-down clothes. It must be that Harry has decided that he's going to dress this way because he wants to look more like a hooligan. Right. He wants to look more like a gang member. Alex is at my door holding this screen because I closed the door so we wouldn't be interrupted. I'm going to have to go open it or he's going to make way too much noise. I can hear him meowing, but I thought I could ignore that, but now he's banging the door. So I will be right back. You made it all the way in, but you couldn't push the door open? You need to try to like your brother, dude. Alex needs to take lessons from Bernie. Bernie understands how to open doors, but Alex won't do it. So he was literally trapped between the screen door and the, the house door, which was open. If he had just pushed on it, it would have opened just fine for him. It wasn't latched, but wow, he's not that smart. Huh, Alex? Named after Hufflepuff Dan. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go there. <clears throat> yeah, let's, let's not. Let's just um. So, yeah, was I saying that, you know, he's decided that he's dressing like that because he he wants to, you know, he wants to look that way because it makes him cool. Right. Kind of a thing. And, you know, there's and I like that there's little tugging hints in his thought process Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe it's not this way because Harry doesn't have any friends. Harry reminds Snape of himself. Mm hmm. When he was Harry's age, but he's ignoring it. He's completely he's he's acknowledging it, then ignoring that the the proper con- con, uh, conclusion to this mm-hmm. um, because he would, he doesn't want to. And then you know Harry has to go to the store for his aunt Petunia because Harry's lazy, and you know everybody has to do chores. Right. And so you know, Snape, and now Snape's flying, and Snape loves to fly. Yes. But he doesn't like to land. No. Because bats are not graceful landers. They're really not. They and, tend to crash. And I have this vision of, you know, because I kind of know how big a fruit bat is. Yeah. And and one of my favorite children's stories is, um, oh, great. Now I'm not going to remember what it's called. Stella Luna. I was going to say Stella Luna. <laughs> which is about a fruit bat. And so I have this vision of, you know, Snape trying to land and catching it with his feet. Sorry, Alex is brushing against the computer. I know how that sounds. And and trying to catch it with his feet and like overflying and, and kind of rolling around and ending up upside down, you know, kind of a thing. So, yeah. Alex, you're, you're causing trouble here, dude. I think that's funny, just the, the vision of him trying to yeah. land. So, yes, so. he's being escorted, is Harry. He doesn't know it, but he's being escorted by a fruit bat. 
And I don't know about this, but like Potter, you know, or Harry, I'm saying Potter because I'm reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry, the, the grocery is seven blocks away. Right. That's really far. <laughs> I could see Petunia not caring. Right. But for, for Snape not to like know, I mean, I guess he notes that something's off, but he, he equates it to, McNair and Bellatrix being there, mm-hmm. but it seems like Snape would kind of note, like, this is kind of far for a 15-year-old to walk. Well, you know, I guess it depends on where where it is. Seven blocks doesn't seem like it's that far, but it depends on what kind of blocks they are. That's true. You know, if it's like in my old neighborhood where I used to live, seven blocks wasn't that far. We walked that all the time. But around here, seven blocks would be a really long ways. Right. And, and so, around here, too, like seven blocks would be like the 20 minutes that it takes to get me to the Whole Foods markets, mm-hmm. which I only do on Saturdays because it takes a long time. So long. And, you know, you would think that if Petunia, and, and I realize that this is the plot point and because the plot says so, but if Petunia has needs this ingredient so badly... Mm-hmm. That she would have jumped in the car and ran and got it because it would have taken a whole lot less time mm-hmm. than making Harry go out and get it. But right. that doesn't further what we need to happen, so that's why it's not like that. Or she she's too she's too busy minding the stove, the mm-hmm. oven, whatever, and is just yelling at him to go get it now. And Harry comes out with this huge bag of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's you know supposedly she's just forgotten one thing. But he right. comes out with this huge bag. And you know that she's not giving him any extra money to... I mean, Snape doesn't know this. Snape thinks, right. oh, look, he's went and bought all kinds of goodies. But she doesn't give him any extra money to buy anything. So it's exactly what she wanted. Right. Perish the thought of Harry actually having some pocket change mm-hmm. from, the, from the Dursleys. From the Dursleys, yeah, that wouldn't be good. And like you said earlier, Snape feels like there's something off. And he's not quite sure it is, but what it is. But then he sees McNair. Yep. And he's like, ooh, yeah, there's something wrong here. And then he has to decide what to do. Do I apparate away and get help? Or do I stay and watch over Harry? Because if I do that, then I'm all alone. Right. But if I apparate away, then Harry's all alone. So what, you know, this is the dilemma. And he doesn't make a decision, really. (laughs) No. Because a fiend fire gets shot at him. Mm -hmm. And um, it slices through one of his wings. Yeah. And he tumbles to the ground and passes out. He does. And is it here? Yeah. And yeah. Bellatrix is there. <laughs> and she says, Animagus Revilio, which should reveal that he's an Animagus. It doesn't. But it doesn't. And we don't really know why it doesn't. Nope. Just yet. And so Bella thought, thinks it's just a bat. Mm-hmm. And she just chucks it over. So one of the things that we didn't say is that the blood wards are better than the Fidelias. And they totally make Harry's house disappear mm-hmm. to Death Eaters. Right. So Harry's walking along. They're following him. All of a sudden, poof, he's gone. Right. And Bella's picked up this bat that she had a feeling might be uh, an aura. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't turn when she casts a spell. So she's like, oh, well, it must just be a bat. And she chucks it in the direction that Harry disappeared in and ends up, you know, chucking it into the vegetable garden. Right. And And they just disappear. Yep. And then that's chapter chapter two. Mm -hmm. 
And in chapter three, we start with Snape, who's like hurting really yep. bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of like this because so he basically, I want to say, you know, he he got, you know, a flame thrower to his wing and then he fell three stories. Right. You'd hurt too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hurt um, pulling weeds. Yeah, it's, it's so it's thread. so he's you know he was he's he's hurting very badly. But the second thing he's made aware of is the fact that he's on like something very soft and warm and comfortable, mm-hmm. and he doesn't really you know have a reason to move. So he's not going to. But then he remembers what had just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not really fiend fire, fire, it's a fiery blade that got shot. I always thought it was fiend fire, and Bella's just very good at controlling it. Oh, well, maybe. And so he he doesn't realize that he's still in his animagus form. And so At first, of, right? Yeah, all of a sudden he has this thought, he remembers what happened. Adrenaline shoots through him, and he leaps to his feet, and all of a sudden he's having searing pain in his neck and shoulder and side. And, you know, he takes his breath away, which is good because he might have cried out. And he sits back down and he pulls his hand in front of him to look at it. And he realizes it's not, <laughs> not a hand. It's a furry little foreleg. And he's like, oh, I'm still in bat form. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I don't have to worry about screaming in pain. Right. And so then he kind of looks around and he's like, hmm, I'm in a box of wool. Yep. I'm in a cage. For a large bird, maybe an owl or a parrot. Hmm, I wonder who we know who had an owl. an owl cage, yeah. Hmm. And, and who might, you know... Who's in the area. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, you know, he's trying to figure out how badly he's hurt. He can't He can't transform because he's in a cage and he's, right. he, can't, he won't fit. And he has, he, he's, you know, discovering his, his cage and he sees that he has food, he has water... And he's been tended to. Yeah, he's got bandages on. And it, it smells like you know birch bark, vanilla, fever flu, rose hips. Mm-hmm. Like it, and he acknowledges that it's well, it's well concocted. <laughs> yeah, strange. He might almost have made this pain relieving infection fighting <laughs> concoction himself. And I'm thinking, you did. <laughs> Harry nicked it, and you know he goes. See, to- I um. Uh, I always thought that Harry made this one himself because this doesn't have any um, magical properties. It's just basic. That's true. Maybe he did. For some reason, so, I thought later in the story it says that. I mean, he talks about nicking stuff, and I thought maybe it talked he, about this. He before. does. Um, he d- it doesn't talk about specifics. It says, I think he nicks the essence of Merlap for one. Yeah. And there are a couple others. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he. I feel I always feel it's it's strange that he was able to um, identify that Animagus Revealio had been cast on him. Well, it's because he hurts so bad, and this yeah, he's made a potion. I think it's a potion. Yeah, it's a potion. Blocks, it's Snape. It's always a potion. It's always a potion that blocks the Animagus Revealio spell from working, and no one knows that 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 can happen. And he knows that that's been tried on him because he hurts so bad. Because all of his muscles have reacted to not 
revealing himself. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of neat that he can figure that out because of the way he feels. Although, he probably wishes right now that it hadn't failed and he didn't feel as bad as he did. But then he'd be in Bellatrix's hot little hands and that would be a bad thing. And Voldemort would know all the crazy. That would be bad. Um, Lots of bad stuff there. Lots of bad stuff that there. Yeah, so he also identifies that there is chamomile and lavender in his water. Yep, to calm which are, down. Yeah, have calming uh, and relaxing properties to them. So he knows he's, you know, and, and then he looks outside and there's, you know, Gryffindor, Lion, Banner, and Quidditch Through the Ages. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much knows where he is. But he doesn't want to admit it to himself. Right. And then I love the, I, I love this nod. Uh, the door to the room was closed. Strangely, it had a pet door installed in it. I'm just like, oh, God, the pet door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But he's just, you know, he feels so awful, he just pretty much falls asleep. Yeah. And when he wakes up again, he's, oh, and, and the other part about it is is that the cage has been covered, so he can't see right. a whole lot. So when right. he wakes up, the cover is removed, and he can kind of see the starry sky. And he's in a, a small room, painted dull beige, no carpet. And this is another time where he, you know, thinks, this is where he figures out Quidditch through the ages and stuff. But he's also mm-hmm. thinking to himself that it looks like a room that, you know, all of a sudden got thrown together because you found out an unexpected guest was coming. Right. Or it looks like the room he grew up in. Yeah. And so, Again, with with pairing his his childhood to Harry's um, adequate sh- as shelter, barely, but hardly a schoolboy sanctuary mm-hmm. yeah. that he pictured. I, and I love you know how how meticulous this is because this is very Snape. Mm-hmm. It was Snape's first close up view of Potter since school let out. Scrawny the boy always was, but he looked skinnier than even than ever now. He also looked at trifle, trifle on the unhealthy side with dark circles under his eyes that made his thin face seem paler than usual. His shoulders were slightly slumped as though he were very tired or carrying the weight of the world on his narrow shoulders or both. Grief over black, Snape supposed. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it, it's so interesting because there are so many reasons why this could be hairy and... He's going to the most obvious one because he doesn't want to, you know, kind of piece it together with this looks like my, my room. Mm-hmm. Harry looks like he wears my, you know, war is wearing the clothes that I wore. He looks the way that I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. He doesn't want to go there at all. Right. Um, and, um, yeah. So. And Harry comes in and he says, yeah. oh, you're awake. He's having this very one-sided conversation before. Mm-hmm. Well, then, look at you. You're doing a little bit better. Yeah. I brought you some fresher food, and you got to eat because you need to build up your strength. And he talks to, I mean, if you have an animal, anybody that has pets, that has pets that you love, not yeah. just a dog that you tie out in your yard to impress or scare your friends, you talk to them like they're part of the family. Yes. And that's exactly what he's doing because it's how he's always communicated with Hedwig. Oh, and also, you know, in in Sorcerer's Stone, Harry does the whole, you know, Hedwig was the first member of his family, mm-hmm. you know, ever. Right. Because he never considered the Dursleys family. No. 
So, you know, kind of, this is like, okay, member number two, here's a bat that I can talk to and not be judged. Right. And so he's, you know, and he says, I got a book out of the library so I can find out what you like. And I'm so glad you like fruit and nut bugs because trying to catch you bugs would be tough. And I love that. And yeah. He sits down and he just kind of looks at him. And of course, Snape's being his own, you know, surly wonder, self. <laughs> wonderful loving self. Probably never saw a bat from this close before. He looks like a gaping idiot. Yeah. And I love, um, you know, I guess I should give you a name while you're here. I could call you Snape or Severus. You remind me of my get up at potions faster. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I wouldn't do that to you. Snape could not ha- uh, keep back a slight hiss. Yeah, you're right. You probably deserve better than that. <laughs> How about Spartacus? I like Spartacus. And I like I like the um, this idea because first of all, it's very cl- it's a clever play on Snape's role in the war. Mm-hmm. Is Spartacus was a slave who became a warrior and then sla- freed other slaves. Right. Um, so basically, he went undercover as a warrior and went back to the happy people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love this because this touches on something that very few fan fiction authors pick up on, and that's the fact that Harry actually loves history. Harry got Hedwig's name out of his history of magic book. Mm-hmm. And now Harry is getting Spartacus out of a Roman history book. Right. Yeah, he likes... I've always thought of Harry as really enjoying reading and finding things. Mm -hmm. You know, there's kind of that, oh, well, he doesn't do his homework until the last minute and stuff like that. And part of that is Ron's influence. And part of it is that it's homework. But just kind of to go on your own and to do things. And in the summers and stuff like that, he liked doing his homework. He just couldn't do his homework because the Dursleys wouldn't let him. So he had to wait until yeah. time to do it. But he's always liked learning. So. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of his reluctance to do to do homework at Hogwarts is Hogwarts was his first chance to ever be a boy, mm-hmm. and you know, skive off on homework and play sports and and not really think about the consequences of life because. From the time that he was small, he was, you know, looked down upon at home. Mm-hmm. And well, suddenly here's this place where, where he can figure out who he is we just and had, not have to... Go ahead. We just had this discussion in my family. One mm-hmm. of my brother's stepsons was basically, you know, raised at home until he started school. So he he didn't have other... He had an older brother... But he didn't have time with kids. He stayed at home with his mom. Mm-hmm. He was a mommy's boy. He didn't go to preschool. He didn't do anything. So he starts kindergarten. And all of a sudden, he's in this world of kids his own age. And there's lots of them. And all he wants to do is play. Because he's right. never had a chance to socialize before. Yeah, so Harry's never had friends. They literally held him back in kindergarten a second year. Not because he wasn't smart enough to do it. But because... All he wanted to do was socialize and play. And they right. couldn't get him to settle down and do the book learning because he had never had an opportunity to socialize before. And that was what he did. And, right. you know, it, so we were talking about it. Calvin was asking about it the other day. And Mike was saying, you know, it's not that he wasn't smart enough. And it's not that it was a stigma to be held back. It was that he was so enthralled with finding other kids that he couldn't help himself. He just had to play. 
because he'd never mm-hmm. had that opportunity before. Right. And I see that, I see Harry is kind of like that. He's has an opportunity to do things and to make friends and to be a kid and not a house elf because, right. you know, that's what he was. He was locked in a closet and he was made to do chores and he was made to cook and he didn't and- get Christmas and he didn't get birthdays. He was a house elf. Right. And, you know, when he was, you know, taken out, he got to go to school, but he spent all his time making sure that he wasn't doing better than, than Dudley. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was all that his life was. So while I don't condone the fact that Harry didn't do his homework during his schooling years and didn't take school very seriously, it's understandable mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, that's what... It's natural to suddenly need to be social. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things. If you don't have the time to be social and to learn how to deal with being social and being socialized Mm -hmm. as a child, then as you get older, you can't deal with it. And you have to learn how to do that before you can learn how to learn. Right. It's just part of the process. Mm -hmm. So. So basically, Harry says goodnight he gets his tattered old jammies and goes into the bathroom and brushes his teeth and comes back and goes to bed and says goodnight spartacus and turns off the lights and falls asleep yeah and snape's like okay now what am i going to do yeah yes make another decision uh, it's gonna be am i going to blow my cover in front of harry or am i going to just stay and wait for my opportunity mm-hmm. and like the good slytherin he is he stays and he waits right on to chapter four. And, and Harry, of course, is having a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Serious! Harry yells, Serious! Serious! And he knows that Sirius is just beyond the veil and mm-hmm. he can go through and save him. But he had to save him. got him. And it's one of those, it's a great big, huge snake. Yeah. And, you know, so his dreams are all jumbled, which, I mean, that's how dreams usually are. He knows uh-huh. that his godfather is behind the veil and is dead, and it's Remus, I think, who catches him. But in his dream, it's it's the snake that's got him. Yeah, and he doesn't know what to do, and he basically and and it's not even really that it's a snake. It's just that the sheets are tangled around his feet, and his dream has taken that and made it into the snake. Yeah, it was an interpretation. Mm-hmm. Falls out of bed, crash, and then he's like, "Oh no." Uncle Vernon. Yeah. If I woke him up, I'm dead. Yeah. Runs to the door and he listens. And old Spartacus is just watching. Why, Dad? Yeah. What is going on here? Yeah, and it's 2.30 in the morning and everyone else is asleep. And, you know, Harry's thinking about, you know, all the nightmares that he goes through. It's always Sirius or Cedric or Voldemort. And sometimes Vernon woke up and... Sometimes it went to blows, and sometimes that's all the sleep that he got in the night. Yeah, usually that was um, all the sleep he got during the night, which yeah. is why he's got the black circles under his eyes. Because Hedwig isn't there, because Hedwig just listens to him, and he gets to talk out all his feelings that he's dreaming about, and then he goes back mm-hmm. to bed, and he doesn't dream again. Right. And so he decides to talk to Spartacus. Right. Because he can't Because he, he can't talk release. to his yeah, and he can't talk to his friends because if Ron, if he writes too often to Ron or Hermione, then they're going to think that he is in trouble. Mm-hmm. And they're going to push to get him out of the Dursleys sooner than is safe. 
Right. So it's all very convoluted, and basically it just comes down to he misses Hedwig. Mm-hmm. But Spartacus is there, and hey, you know what? Guess what? We're going to talk to the bat. We're going to talk to the bat. And so he starts talking about his dream, and that kind of goes on, and we don't get to see that so much because he's kind of also gone back into thinking about how he got the bat into his room right. and what he's decided to do. So he's pretty much, you know, smuggled the bat into the house and dropped it in the cage because if Aunt Petunia catches him indoors when he's supposed to be outside, he's in trouble. Yep. And then a little bit later when Petunia leaves to go shopping, he slips back upstairs to make a bed for the bat and treat it and do all the things that he's done. And he skips lunch. Mm -hmm. Which is a hardship because he barely gets to eat. Yeah. And... You know, if he doesn't do the work that they've given him, they don't let him have dinner. So, yeah, and it's you know it's interesting because this is very hairy <laughs> to feed an animal that is quote unquote helpless mm-hmm. and and sacrifice his own health for another's benefit. Mm-hmm. It's a very hairy thing to do, and so he you know is kind of talking to Spartacus about this dream and and this is hint big hint number two to Snape that Harry is not who he thinks he is mm-hmm. because first of all he blames himself for Sirius's death right and he is giving you know voice to I think a truth that was true in canon but was never voiced and that's um that Harry thinks that Sirius didn't really want Harry as a godson mm-hmm. because he wasn't James. Right. At all. And, you know, Sirius was really kind of damaged by Azkaban and just missed James. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure that it wouldn't, it wasn't a conscious thing. And it no. wasn't. But yeah, he was, he was as damaged as anybody else because of what happened. And the one thing that he clung to was his friendships. And right. Harry looked and, so much like James that it's got to be hard. It had yeah. to have been hard. So and yeah. and Sirius was, you know, it, it's got to be hard to look at the, you know, the kid who's grown up basically while you weren't there, and suddenly he looks exactly like James did mm-hmm. when the Marauders were in their prime, and it's only natural to go for the remember when kind of a a mindset but and this is the thing that kills me when you think about it Sirius didn't know anything about what was going on at Harry's house no Sirius didn't know what Harry's childhood was like because Sirius didn't want to know because he he would have felt responsible right I think Sirius knew hints about it just like everybody in the Mm -hmm. story knows hints about it but no one really wants to know because it you know it's quote-unquote over it's quote-unquote done with harry's now at hogwarts most of the time he's okay he's fairly self-adjusted so you know whatever it's not it's not a big deal and they Um, would have had to have done something about it if they actually acknowledged it right and you know then there's but there's harry now who's feeling like he was He's unwanted by his aunt and uncle and cousin. He was, he feels like he was unwanted by his godfather because he wasn't James. Right. His parents died well before. 
they could grow up and he doesn't and everyone's compared him to his dad for his entire you know basically mm-hmm. his entire life and he's always thought of that as a good thing until the last his last year and right. now suddenly it's just like i don't want to be my father my father was a bully mm-hmm. yeah and he acknowledges that you know i found out last year that my dad wasn't at least not always what i thought hoped he might have been and i was it was a bit of a letdown to tell you the truth yeah and, you know, here's just another little kernel for Snape to go, oh, wait a minute. Maybe things aren't like I think they are. But he's not ready right. to accept that either. No. And the thing and, and the thing that kills me, mainly because this is probably was Snape's wish for his father, is Sirius was the closest thing I had to family. I wanted him to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. He almost said, love me, but changed it the last moment. <laughs> right. You know, because love would be too, you know, high a hope. Right. Oh, yeah. And wonder yeah. of wonders, he's starting to f- feel sleepy again. Yeah. And he falls back to sleep, which he has not been able to do in the last six days since he's right. gotten home. So Spartacus is actually good for him. Spartacus is good for him. Harry apparently, though, is not good for Spartacus because even four hours after Harry lets all this loose... Snape is still fuming, and yeah. not about what Harry told him, but because he's Potter's pet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thought of the look on Dumbledore's face when the old wizard finds out about this was maddening. <laughs> but I, I, I love this, like, you know, this man can twist anything to, to be, you know, what a negative for, for Harry. Mm-hmm. Gryffindor pride, Harry, uh, Snape thought scathingly. Too proud to seek comfort from his family. <laughs> yeah, he's having nightmares. So why isn't he seeking comfort from his family? Not oh well, they'll beat me up because I woke him up. Right. He's too proud. <laughs> the arrogant get. I love it. Because I mean, it's it's totally logical if you don't know the background and you don't it put together the pieces. Totally, yeah. From Snape's point of view, it's totally logical. yeah. It really is. It really, it really is, and that's why I love this pick so much because it takes two. It takes two very. Th- this is this is Snape done right. This is Snape from canon. Mm-hmm. This is Snape who looks at Hermione's teeth in Goblet of Fire and says, "I I see I don't no difference." See any difference, right? Right. It's mean. It's cruel, and you're seeing exactly what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Because he's, you know, he's a git, and and that's what gits do. Yep. And you know, so it's taking that Snape, the the canon Snape, and it's taking Harry. Maybe he's a little more beat up than you know canon, but you know, a little bit of gravy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's, you know, it's putting them in the same room essentially. Oh yeah. And watching how perspectives shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and. and it's it's it gets really interesting from here on out. I kind of wish that it wasn't cut, you know, right at chapter five because it's really when things, things start, start get getting really good, really interesting. Because you know, basically, it's six thirty in the morning, and I know I get up at four, but most people aren't up at six thirty in the morning, especially teenagers in the summer. Like six thirty in the morning is when I get up, you know, on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's my lion. But, like, right. I know most people, like, get up closer to, like, 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. Because it's nice, you know, it's it's 
you know, there's nothing to do that day. Nothing big. Yeah. But, you know, to have yeah, it. in your pajamas. And yeah. Stuff. Have a 15-year-old have a be like, oh, you have this long list of chores to, to do, including make us breakfast. Mm-hmm. So get up because Vernon's almost downstairs. Yeah. Petunia's like rapping at the door. Get up. Get up. Why aren't you up? Right. Your uncle's going to be there in 10 minutes. Why is the breakfast ready? And he's like, oh, crap. I've got to get down there because if I don't, I'm dead yeah. meat. Right. And Snape's going, um, what just happened here? Oh, well, it must be that the boys have to take turns getting up and making breakfast. It's their chores. It's it's his aunt and uncle's way of teaching him good habits. And But and there's a moment like of doubt. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, was this a daily occurrence? Oh, surely, surely not. not. Yeah. <laughs> surely this was like, you know, so, so now he's shifted from perfect potter who sits on his throne and, you know, everyone he's lavishes bonbons. stuff. Exactly. He's shifted from that to he has a very good life and, oh, surely that, you know, surely it's not a bad life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's they're the they're the alarm bells that are going off in Snape's head and you can see him starting to put it together. However, you know, he doesn't want to put it together. That right. curious life isn't perfect and, you know, it's actually quite horrible at drive um he's he's not quite there and i love this sentence still snape was surprised that the savior of the wizarding world was not as coddled as he first thought his guardians were apparently attempting to instill some measure of responsibility into him however (laughs) unsuccessful they might be good right yeah and he's starting to get a little claustrophobic because he's in this cage (laughs) yeah and you know, he's thinking, okay, now what do I do? Maybe when Potter starts to tend my injuries, I can bite him and fly away. Yeah. But the wing's not strong enough, so that's not going to work. And I love how Snape realizes that it could be worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love this picture of Lavender Brown forcing <laughs> him into an archival jumper. <laughs> and then... The get, and I'm sorry, but this is him. He gets all pissed at Harry because he's thought about this, and it, you know, he, he's going, Well, Harry's going to do this to me too. Like Harry's going to stick him in a jumper. But he's got this thought in his head about what Lavender would do, and he's transferred it to Harry, and now he's mad. He's uh, I totally love mad. I love, I love, Snoop thought viciously as he shredded his way through the cotton wool right down to the cardboard. For a moment, he felt ashamed by the idea. I'm not really a wild bat, bat. He then uh, then absurdly pleased mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love it <laughs> we jump back to poor Harry who's having this tense morning because he's almost overslept and Petunia's <laughs> livid at him God. And, you know luckily he got breakfast together before Vernon got down Right, and usually this isn't a problem or hasn't been a problem yet this year because his nightmares have been keeping him awake. But he actually mm-hmm. got to sleep last night, right? So that was good. And Dudley's, who is rarely up before lunch, mm-hmm. I wonder how. Let, let's watch how long it takes for Snape to put to this together. Right. So he, he gets some stuff together to tend to his new pet. Pet. And he, you know, he gets some medicines and some. Uh, he digs that out from the floorboard underneath the bed. But he takes up some warm water yep. and soapy water and some different things. And he goes yeah. to the garden shed and gets something because he's thought to himself that probably the bat would like to sleep hanging upside down. At this point, yeah. 
So and he walks in and he's like, hey, Spider guys, I brought you some brick. Whoa. And he looks, <laughs> there's this pile of shredded cotton and cardboard in the middle of Hedwig's cage. And, and the look on the fox-like face was decidedly pissy. <laughs> and Harry's like, well, I'm glad I brought you this because uh, I can tell you don't want to sleep in your bed anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he very cautiously reaches into the cage because he's a little worried about what's going to happen. But Spartacus is perfectly passive and Mm -hmm. he pulls him out and takes him to the bed and pretty much doctors him. And then he, and he's like, you know, (laughs) I love this. Don't worry, I'm not half bad at this. I'm not even half bad at potions, although my professor would tell you differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he says, I'm sorry, it stings. Um, I didn't have to brew this one. You don't have to worry. I didn't brew this one. I snaked, I nicked it from Snape's stores. And the bat bites him. Chomp. No, no, because first Harry insults Snape. That's right. He calls him a greasy git. I figure he hasn't washed his hair since 19. Chomp. And I love, I love, I love what Snape, like, you know, <laughs> I love that Harry doesn't like, you know, do what Snape, you know, most people out. would do. He doesn't lash out. He doesn't throw the bat away. He like very, you know, gently shakes the bat loose and then, you know, basically tends to himself and, and is basically talking to the bat. And it's, it's funny. <laughs> Uh, because Harry is, you know, what did you do that for? And, and the bat's just like standing on three legs, staring at him. Right. And it makes him think of Snape. He's like, he has this flash in his mind. Linked again, Potter. Five points from Gryffindor. Right. And, but he doesn't, it doesn't catch. It's just right. this thing that flits through his mind. A, yeah, a fleeting thought. And then Harry just, you know, dismi- dismisses it and... Yeah. Well, and so he gets into the potion kit and he pulls out the essence of Murtlap, which he's brought because he knows that Uncle Ber- Vernon's going to beat him during the right, summer. Right, at some point. And he doesn't have very much of it. So he has this internal debate. Do I keep oh. it for myself or do I give it to the bat? Because, you know, the bat hurts bad enough for it to have bit me. And, you know, he does what Harry always does because he's got that saving <laughs> people or in this case, bats thing. And he decides that he's going to use it on Spartacus. Rather than himself. You know, and yeah, there's going to be some left. He's not going to need much. But still, if he has to use it a couple of times, he's using up a very, you know, this potion ingredient or this potion that he really thinks he's going to need. Right. He doesn't have very much of it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a real consideration for him. But he he gives it to the bat, which is really cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and he briefly thinks about Dumbledore, but he pushes it aside because he can't think about Dumbledore just yet. Yeah. And then he cleans out the cage and he hangs the uh, chicken wire up so that Snape can, or Spartacus can climb up and hang upside down if he wants to. Mm-hmm. And he gives him some more strawberries because they're full of vitamin C. Yep. And, and then he leaves. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't quite leave. He just stands back and watches. Yeah. And pretty soon he climbs up the chicken wire and Harry's like, yes. Yeah. And he says, okay, you get some sleep. And he's got to hurry because he's already way behind on his chores. And we know that if he doesn't get his chores done, he's going to get in trouble. Yep. 
So, and that's it. Yeah. And it ended very abruptly on my text reader. And I was like, what? Wait, no, wait, come back. I want more. Uh, yeah. It's, I, I, it, it's a very, it's short. It's kind of light, but at the same time, it deals with a lot of heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways this was cut well, because this is entirely like all the setup. Mm-hmm. And next week and the week after, we'll get more into, you know, the rest of the story and what, what comes from this. But, you know, like I said, it, it's this takes Canon Snape and Ken Harry and puts them in a room and locks the door. Right. Literally. Literally. Yeah. It, it's, it's basically they're forced together. And Snape's already, he doesn't want to admit it, but Snape's already changing his perspective on Harry. Mm-hmm. Based on what he's seeing. Right. Because, and yeah. As much as he doesn't want to. And as much yeah. as he doesn't want to admit it, he is. Because he's slowly taking in what is going on. Harry is tired every night. And he's always, you know, looking weary when he comes in. And he's getting up at 6.30 every morning. And his aunt and uncle are always screaming at him. And it's, it's constant. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I believe next week we're going, you know, Snape's going to meet Dudley and it's... Yeah, that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. Not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, is it is it next week or the week after we'll meet Dudley? No, it's next week. I'm, next week? All right. I'm copying the chapters right now so I can okay. listen to them and mm-hmm. I just got to that point, so... Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, uh, the way this, this author set up this fic. It was it was between this and, and Fever, and I know I gave you the choice. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I'm glad that you took this one, because it's definitely gives a fair... It's not throwing Harry down the stairs, but it's still abuse. Oh, yeah. And, you know, while I'm not a fan of throwing Harry down the stairs, as we like to put it on Puffa, I really don't like the fix that kind of make Harry's home life as unpleasant rather than horrifying and and Mm -hmm. bordering on, you know, unsafe. Right. For the the years that we see, I'm sure it was plenty unsafe before the story picks up. It's, you know, it's it's one of those things of, in Chapter 2, Aunt Petunia aims a frying pan at Harry's head, and Harry dodges it, but, you know, it's still... Easily connected. Right. And, and, you know, then people just kind of ignore that line and, and make it that Vernon always yells at Harry and Ampetini hates him. But other than that, his life is pretty hunky dory. Mm-hmm. And, but no. And I think this, this, it accurately portrays his home life. And this is, I don't know. I enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I really liked it too because it's an interesting perspective. And I like the idea. That, you know, we, we're taking this man who has huge prejudice against this child because of what's happened in his own childhood. Mm-hmm. And he has this total love-hate relationship with Harry because on the one hand, he loves he loves the idea that this is Lily's son and this is a piece of Lily and he has Lily's eyes. So there's that love there that he doesn't really acknowledge. And right. on the other hand, we have... This is James's son, and I hate James, and James made my life a living hell. Right. On top of everything else, and he took the woman I loved. Yeah, and... and So, 
he has this huge prejudice and against Harry and he in his mind he's got it all mapped out and the way he sees things could really well be that way but that's yeah. not how it is and now he is going to have to be forced to take a second look at what he thinks he knows because he's going to still have all the same kinds of information but he's going to start to process it differently because he's looking at it differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And and for those of you out there in listener land that have reservations on this, I promise you this is not, you know, this is certainly not um, the uh, blowing up the ducks fic. No, um, it's not. This is certainly not um, a year like none other where, you know, Snape is hugging Harry every other chapter. It It's... This is about as realistic as I've ever found mm-hmm. for Snape finding out about Harry's childhood. And I'm not going to say what, you know, how that comes to at the end, because we're going to be covering that. But I think it's, it's pretty accurate to what any reasonable person would, would conclude. And you know, Snape's a reasonable guy. It's, it's not, you know, like Sue was saying, you, like you were saying, Sue, um, it, it, it's not that he's, he's not cruel. Mm-hmm. He's just, he was in love and he only had one friend and he, you know, it was, and she was taken away from him the way he sees it. He made bad decisions, but she was still taken away from him. And until this moment within this timeline, Snape refuses, and Snape at this point still refuses to acknowledge the fact that Harry's life doesn't mimic James's. Harry's life mimics Snape's Mm -hmm. because his life was very unhappy before Hogwarts. He only has two friends in the entire world. He has other people within the series that he's friendly with like Mm -hmm. Neville and Luna, but he doesn't really like think of them actively as friends. Right. Because like, how do you shape that? And, and you know, how do you think about that? Because, you know, you grew up without them. Right. And so, you know, basically Harry is, is Snape making the correct decisions. Yeah. You know, we talk about a lot. We talk about the parallels between, Harry and Voldemort. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of parallels between Harry and Snape. Yeah. If you take the time to look at them. Right. And that's kind of what this story does. It takes the time to look at them, and it takes the time to force you and Snape to kind of look at things in a different way. Yeah. And that's what's so neat about this, and why I was happy that you recommended it, because it really does give us a very different way to look at this. It gives Snape a different way of looking at this. I mean, we all know that Harry is the way he is. My brother has yeah. just shown up, and there's weird <laughs> things going on outside. Um, but to have, you know, Snape have to have this epiphany. And, and Harry's had the epiphany in Snape with Snape because Harry saw Snape's memories and he realized uh-huh. that, yeah, his father may not be the, the person that he thought he was. And now it's going to be Snape's turn to have an epiphany and right. discover that, hey, Harry's not James and Harry's not what you think he is either. Right. And I think, I think it's, this kind of story is interesting for the reader because it kind of forces the reader from the get-go to 
understand that from Harry's perspective, Snape is completely illogical. Mm-hmm. But but Harry doesn't know Snape's background, just like Snape doesn't know Harry's background. And the way the author, we spend half the time in Snape's head, not the icky, gooey, whatever Snape's head that Kezo was talking about, but the in the, like, Snape's head is very scientific and... Mm-hmm. I see X plus Y and that must equal Z Mm -hmm. because if it equals Q, then that makes no sense. But Snape isn't seeing the other variables in the equation. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to next week. I actually just loaded it so that Mm -hmm. I can go out and listen to the next group while I go pull weeds for two hours. Awesome. And uh, so I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. I figured you might want to do that. (laughs) It's time. It is. Uh, I'm but yeah. We could start early. I will check with Trisha and find out if we can start early again next week. Cool. So I, then. um, yeah, I look forward to others' thoughts on this. I mean, I, I've, I've read this fic over the years a number of times. Mm-hmm. It was, man, it was updated in, two, I, I remember when this thing came out. Wow. <laughs> it was updated in 2010. Which is, it's not actually that long ago. Um, Fever, which is the other fic that I recommended, was the first fic that I ever read. Wow. Um, and uh, that was not a one-shot. Um, and I think that came out in 2001. We actually, uh, last week, Trisha was talking about a f- the first fic that she ever read. Mm-hmm. That was Harry adopting Dudley's daughter. Because she turns out to be magical. And she couldn't find it. And we actually put it up on Puffwa. <laughs> and people found it. And I read it last week. And it's actually really good. Yeah, nice. So, it's fun. Yeah, um, I know I, I barely remember this. Because I was, I was like 12 when I really started re- like actively reading fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's been more than half my life. <laughs> Although I was 11 or 12. Um, and... I had read several one-shots um, on fanfiction.net, and fanfiction.net sucked back then. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like I, People talk about how much crap is on fanfiction.net. I was just like, you have no idea. <laughs> because back then, it was horrible. Um, but yeah, so I... Uh, <laughs> I came. I, I had read several one shots, and I ran across Fever, and Fever was excellent. And then I was sold on fan fiction. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting that this for this season of recordings, Ryan had challenged us to go back and and read fan fictions that you know look at fan fictions that we hadn't read in a while. Mm-hmm. And Fever had been bookmarked alongside this one. And I wrecked this one because basically, as I said, I was tired of everyone bitching about the Snape Harry mm-hmm. fan fictions. Um, and I wrecked Fever because it was the first one that I ever read. But it, it, it's it's interesting to go back and look at who you were as a person when you first read this and how much your perspective has changed. Because I remember when I, the first time that I read this, I really didn't care about Snape's per- perspective. And now that I'm reading it, you know, for the the podcast, this Saint's perspective is probably the most interesting thing about this fic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah, it is. It really is. So tune in next time, and we will find out what happens when Dudley finds out that Harry has a bat in his room, mm-hmm. and what happens when Vernon finds out that Harry has a bat in his room. 
and how the bat's perspective about Harry is going to change a lot. Oh yeah, the next the next five chapters, like yeah, I would would you say that Snape has a paradigm shift in this book? Uh, yeah, I would say he has a paradigm shift. Snape, yeah. So, we will say goodnight now, and we will come back and talk about this next week, and you guys will get it the week after that. Yep. So, goodnight, everybody. Buenas noches. So, hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.